Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. And today we are on a two-parter with Christy Rodriguez. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go back, listen to her story. It's incredible. Uh, as well as the ministries in, she's involved with called Hope After Betrayal. And we think that's an incredible ministry. We think Christy is amazing um, at what she does and uh, her story and her um, passion in this area. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about maybe some of the nuts and bolts uh, in regards to to betrayal trauma and what that is, what it means, and why we need to know about it. So thank you, Christy, for being on with us today. You're welcome. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, we're honored as well. And uh, so let's get into this, Christy. Um, So this is a question we have received, and I think many of us want to know is what is trauma? Like what is trauma, and specifically even betrayal trauma? What is that? Trauma is the Greek word for wound. And trauma is defined as an event that overwhelms the central nervous system, altering the way that we process and recall memories. This wound causes us to get stuck in the survival mechanism of the brain. And experiencing trauma can harm a person's sense of safety, sense of self, and their ability to regulate emotions and navigate relationships. So this is a wound. It um, It is not so much about the event that happens, as much as it is the impact that that event has on us and our brain. there's That's a really good definition. I love it. There's a lot of people that I think when they're asked, do you have trauma? They say, no, not really. Not that I can think of. And I was there. 
And then I really learned what trauma is and I start mm-hmm. healing the heart with my, with the Lord and others. And I'm like, Oh man, there's, there's a lot, but you know, I, I know a lot of people did experience this, but I was never like violently sexually abused or had like some big death and the, these big things. A lot of times that's what we think trauma is, but trauma could be smaller things too. I think even medically when there's a bruise, a doctor would say, Hey, there's a trauma. It's just a little one, but it's a trauma. It's a wound. Right. And so I like that definition. However, when there's a affair or a sexual betrayal, that's not little. That is something big. And so it is important for a woman to understand that there's a, an element of trauma. And you were saying last week that you didn't understand what trauma was uh, and, and that you were experiencing that. What's your experience with that? I don't necessarily think it's as much denial as it is a lack of understanding sure. about what trauma is. And so we often hear women as we begin to teach about this and explain it, it's like a light bulb goes off in mm-hmm. their brain. And they're like, oh my goodness, yes, I'm completely, you know, relating to these things. I'm experiencing these symptoms. And so I think it really is important, you know, to educate and, and bring that understanding. Um, there are, I'm sure, some women that do absolutely, you know, deny that there is an issue. But for the majority, I mean, statistically, research shows that nearly 80% of women who have been experienced betrayal in their marriages have symptoms of betrayal trauma. So it is a big majority of the women that do experience this dynamic. Wow. That is, that's incredible. Wow. Um, I'm curious, Christy, so someone's listening, what would be an indicator for us in our lives that maybe there is trauma? Um, Because yeah, like sometimes certain events do occur and we respond certain ways. But I mean, we were painting the picture last week and, and, and even in this podcast of say there's infidelity in the marriage or porn is in the marriage and that causes trauma. But what are some maybe indicators that might exist, but how do we know? Like personally, I'm dealing with this. How would we know? Well, let me start by explaining why betrayal causes trauma. To our brain, betrayal is considered a survival level threat. And I want to explain why that is, because a lot of people just associate trauma with childhood sexual abuse or a car accident or an assault of some type. And while those are definitely traumatic, betrayal has a little bit of a different traumatic experience or impact on our brain. So our brains are wired for survival, and its job is to receive data and store that information into safe and unsafe files, right? As it processes this information, it makes and creates kind of like a film strip, a highlight reel of our life that tells our story where we get a sense of identity and self. With certain traumas like a critical car accident or the sudden death of a loved one, those are called punctiliar traumas. And those are traumas that puncture that timeline or that highlight reel, right? But it punctures the timeline. It's a one-time event that's contained by time. Yeah. And so the difference with betrayal and why betrayal is so traumatic is because betrayal doesn't just puncture the timeline. It shatters the timeline bringing the past, the present, and the future all into question simultaneously. This is an incredible threat to your brain because, as I mentioned, the brain's job is to keep us safe. And the best predictor of the future is the past. So when the past is completely shattered, your brain doesn't really know how to keep you safe. 
And so betrayal is incredibly shattering, you know, to our, to our lives. Yes. But also to our brain and it sees it as a survival level threat because when betrayal takes place, there's a hormone dump when that highlight reel, that film strip of our life shatters. It actually, there's a huge hormone dump that causes the trauma center of the brain to be activated. And because it's not just a punctiliar trauma, not just a one-time event, betrayal is often multiple layers of deception and lies and betrayals, often that include often months and months and months, or in my case, even years and years of betrayal that I didn't know was taking place. I love it. I love how you explain that. It's really good. It's, it's actually very, very clear, and I can see it in so many different marriages that we've worked with. Um, where, where a lot of wives, and I was going to say a woman, but it's not a woman, it's a lot of wives, if not all of them will say, man, my whole life has been a lie. I feel like my whole 31-year marriage has been a lie. My whole 12-year marriage has been a lie. And then that's passed. And then going forward, they're going, and how can I ever trust again? Because the best predictor of the future is the past. And it makes total sense. And so there are trauma reactions. And do you find a lot that when you're working with women, you work with the trauma of, this event that shatters the timeline, but also that it it hits on past traumas from their life, maybe from their childhood or past relationships. Do you go there too, or is it just just strictly working on the betrayal? In our specific program, we don't dive into um, past traumas or childhood attachments or you know like any of those kinds of things. Um, just because we have such a limited amount of time sure. in a twelve week program, um, but. I think there are definitely narratives and, and things that we um, believe that trauma can, uh, you know, compound on, you know, as, as they're healing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. And um, like for, for this particular area with, with trauma, um, we were, you were mentioning this, you were alluding to it. So you kind of give a great definition of what betrayal trauma is and how that impacts our brain, what goes on in life. Um, what are some of the symptoms that can be revealed um, in our relationships and not only in relationships, but even physiologically, mentally, like what are some areas that we start to see some of these play out? Well, betrayal trauma, betrayal trauma symptoms include a whole list of things, actually. And this is not a comprehensive list, but I'm just going to kind of read through it so you can kind of hear some of the things that women experience um, as symptoms of betrayal trauma. Helplessness, sleeplessness, reliving the event, hypervigilance, anxiety, nightmares, intrusive thoughts, withdrawing, avoidance, mood swings, panic attacks, phobias. Flashbacks, denial, depression, restlessness, confusion, even um, brain fog, disassociation, inability to eat, overeating, rage, health problems, chronic fatigue, hopelessness. Like this is not a comprehensive list, but it's a big list of the most commonly reported symptoms and impact of betrayal trauma on women. And I mean, a woman might not have all, well, they're not going to overeat and undereat, but, <laughs> but they might not have all of it. Yeah, but they'll have a lot, right? And there's probably a wife listening would have a lot of those, hearing you list those out, like, oh, I can relate. And it's such yeah. a such an overwhelming feeling to go, man, I have all of these different effects. Do you, do you see that? Or did you feel that just overwhelming? And what do I do? 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you make a great point. Some women are going to hear that list and they're going to say, oh yeah, I can identify with a couple of those, three or four of those. Some women, depending on the depth of the wound and the impact of the betrayal, they might look at this list and say, yeah, I have six or seven of those. Or I have some women that say, yes, I have experienced all of those at one time or another. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends on the woman and their experience and the depth of the wound that they've endured. If someone's overwhelmed by that, um, and there's just so many different impacts that they're feeling. How do you recommend they start? How do they start? Because d- does it paralyze a woman and just they, they feel overwhelmed and don't know what to do? Yeah, in the beginning, it can be very paralyzing, especially when you're still in shock after discovery or disclosure. And I think that it's important to even just recognize that those are the, some of the symptoms that you can be having. And it's important to, I don't ever want to use, you know, these things to excuse like certain behaviors or reactions or things like that. But it is important to understand that it is a part of um, the wound that we have experienced and to help normalize some of the things that they are experiencing. From my my personal experience, I felt absolutely crazy. I was mm-hmm. a mental mess. I was an emotional mess. And I literally thought I was losing my mind. I had mm-hmm. no idea. I didn't understand this dynamic of betrayal trauma. And so it was incredibly comforting and helpful to me when someone came along and said, hey, let me explain to you what you're going through. And not only was it helpful to me and empowered me to have some grace and empathy for myself in the process, but it was also helpful to our restorative um, process of healing in our marriage because Dave thought I was crazy. (laughs) And, And, you know, I'm asking the same question over and over and over and over again. And I think it's really helpful to understand that 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 is, you know, some of these symptoms and some of these behaviors is not because your wife is crazy. It's because she's been traumatized and there's a a huge difference there. And I think it's important to, to talk about that difference. Yeah. And then maybe talk, like expand upon that a little bit. Cause I mean, sometimes when there's been a jolt to the marriage where maybe it's ongoing in the sense of um, there's an addiction to pornography or there is maybe an extramarital affair of some kind or some sort of betrayal in those areas. Why is it important to, to, to understand that maybe that betrayal, not maybe, but that betrayal has caused trauma? Like what, what, what is that link starting to understand that? Why does that matter? Why is that helpful for, uh, for us to understand so that we can at least have a path forward? I think it's important to look at betrayal through the lens of trauma, and it's important for different reasons for different people. For example, family members and counselors, ministry leaders, it's really important to look at betrayal through the lens of trauma because if we don't, we unintentionally cause more harm. For example, you know, the pastor's, who gave me the advice early on in my story about, you know, the more you talk about this, the more you're going to ruin your marriage or, you know, different things like that. We also hear very well-meaning pastors give advice that indicates that this is the woman's responsibility or that the sexual addiction was their fault. And so we can give very well-meaning but ignorant advice because we don't really understand the dynamics that are in play. And so I think it's really important. I think it's also important for the for the partner um, who did the acts of betrayal because it empowers empathy and compassion for what the wife is going through. It's incredibly important to not look at your wife through the lens of she's crazy, but that she's been wounded. Um, let me give you one example of how this impacted Dave and I in our relationship and in our restorative process. Um, 
when betrayal takes place, it's like um, I, I mentioned that our brain's job is to store those files, right, into safe and non-unsafe files. And so when betrayal happens in that highlight reel, that film strip of our life shatters, it's like somebody takes that file cabinet drawer with all of our life information and dumps that file cabinet on the floor and all the files are like mixed in together, right? And our brain is forced into what's called a hippocampal review. It's the, the brain's job to make sense of this trauma. So it's trying to put all the pieces together. And not only is it trying to, to navigate and, and piece the files that are together on the floor, it also is trying to integrate this whole file of a reality you didn't even know existed. And so your brain's job is to process this trauma, make sense of it. It's working hard to everywhere there's a question, be able to put a period, right? And so this causes a woman, we call it, I call it Sherlocking. We become the best detectives in the universe, right? And we are searching through computers and we're, you know, asking questions, but you said you were here and you did this and what, and because we're trying to make sense of that information and process the trauma. And so for Dave and I, I, I was definitely in that Sherlocking mode and I'm ruminating and processing and going over the information over and over and over the same stories same events, same details, trying to make sense of it. And Dave would try to have so much compassion and empathy. And he's like, honey, you've asked this question 20 times. <laughs> and he was able to have that empathy and compassion because he understood that this was a trauma response, that this was the impact of trauma on my brain. And that as I'm asking questions for the 20th time, it is actually a matter of survival to my brain to make sense of this information. And so it really empowered him with a great amount of, of empathy and compassion for my processing and what I was going through. Right. That's so great. Sometimes as husbands, like I know that porn was in my marriage and I've had conversations with my life and the wife in the past about things like that. Like, hon, you talked with me about this already. You asked that question already, but I love what you said to have some understanding, empathy and care for your wife in that moment. Cause there's husbands listening that, you know, maybe they feel grilled sometimes like, why are you being a detective all the time or the police all the time? And you know, why are you doing that? And, And now that you have some understanding, and empathy hey they're that's how they're processing how how they're navigating this and to show empathy and love to your wife in that moment is so key i mean even the other day my wife asked me a question and she has carte blanche to ask anything she wants of me um at any point she can do that um and and that's great but sometimes my response to that might be like babe you know that i have freedom in this area why are you still asking certain things and that's my first initial response but then i think and i check myself in my kind of my soul my spirit and like no she's asking because she's still going through a healing journey as well to show her empathy in that moment is so important instead of putting up a wall and saying no, this is dealt with. You shouldn't have a problem anymore. That just, if anything, am I right, Christy? That would just draw her back into some of those old feelings that she had, right? Yeah, absolutely. Putting up that wall, she's going to probably withdraw, isolate. It's going to cause, you know, disconnect there. And really, restoration and healing really requires both partners turning towards each other in the midst of their pain and having empathy for what, you know, each other is going through. And so... Yeah, it's definitely, if there is um, that defensiveness, you know, it's going to look like, well, you know, people that have nothing to hide, hide nothing. So why are you being defensive? So it's going to, you know, it has the potential to kind of like stir up those questions and 
you know, poke the hornet's nest for sure. Yeah. You said something I think that's key and that's very hard. You said both partners turning towards each other and having empathy and understanding towards each other. And we're talking about the husband doing that for the wife. But when the wife has been traumatized, she didn't ask for any of this in her marriage. And it's his fault. Mm -hmm. What's the process that you lead wives in to eventually turn to him and go, okay, I understand what you have been through, but also what you are going through with my trauma reactions. And even to the point where a wife would get, would maybe apologize for some of those reactions or the word that's said. At what point in the process is that important for a woman to recognize? Well, it's definitely going to be hard for a wife right out of the gate to have empathy and compassion. They're yeah. experiencing the depth of the wound. They're bleeding everywhere. And um, empathy and compassion probably isn't in the cards at yeah. that moment in time. But yeah. there is an important part of the restoring and healing process that will require at some point in time for them to develop and, and, and um, have some empathy for their husband. And I think a lot of it comes from really understanding your husband's story for a long time. You didn't even know they had a story because it was hidden in the secret compartment and in this secret, you know, component of his life. And so it does take a while for the wife to be able to embrace that story and understand its reality and process through the impact of that story. But I think it's incredibly important for us to as wives, for me, it was important to be able to look at Dave in his humanity and have grace for that eight-year-old boy that, you know, was exposed to pornography, had no idea how to process that and the impact that that obviously had on his life for years and years to come. And so I think part of that is learning to have empathy. Yes, this has, this hurt me deeply, but I was also able to have empathy for the the pain and the years of addiction that my husband struggled alone and in silence and in the shame. And like I said, many women are not going to be able to have that kind of empathy right out of the gate, yeah. but it will be an important part of the healing process if they want to work towards restoration. Right. Well, I'm just curious, uh, would you be willing to share a little bit about how you came to that place? Because uh, I know that... Um, for people listening, sometimes it's great to hear someone share their journey in that area so they have kind of a, a model at least or know that it is possible. <laughs> and, and even with that, Christy, like your journey of coming to the place of forgiveness, I'm wondering about too. Yeah, forgiveness is definitely a big part of probably um, that whole combination of things with the empathy and the compassion. Forgiveness is definitely, yeah, a big part of that. I, I knew right away that I wanted to forgive. Mm. There was part of me that was hesitant to do so because three years in, I forgave really quickly. And then here we were another 13 years later with more brokenness and devastation. And so I had this conflicting kind of dynamic in my heart about like, when is too soon to forgive? And when should I forgive and those kinds of things, because I didn't want my forgiveness to be taken advantage of. I wanted him to, you know, suffer the impact a little bit of what he had put me through. And so, um, God was really gracious in leading me and guiding me in that. I would say a huge shift for me though, was I was able to forgive the deed, but two years in, 
I was really struggling and angry and bitter about the impact, Mm -hmm. the impact that this had had on my life. I felt betrayal trauma turned me into something I was not. Mm -hmm. I was not an angry, raging, anxiety-driven, fear-driven, controlling person prior to trauma. And so I felt some degree this really changed who I was, and I was angry about that. And so that was a big part of the process, yeah, was forgiving the deed, but also coming to a place where I had to choose to forgive the impact. And that took me to a whole nother level of healing Mm. when I was able to let go of the bitterness and resentment for the impact that this had had on my life. Not just me personally, but, you know, with our ministry and and our kids and like the whole, and I call it the nuclear fallout zone because, I mean, it just seemed like there was after the major impact, there was still bits and pieces of brokenness and fragmented lives, like, you know, impacting our lives for quite some time. And so, yeah, it was definitely a pivotal moment to be able to forgive the impact of that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And maybe uh, touch on that a little bit too, the forgiveness component there, Christy, because I think sometimes um, for, for many of us that have gone through something that's painful, Forgiveness in our minds, sometimes we misconceive what that means. We think forgiveness is we are saying what you did is okay and I'm okay with it now. But that's not what forgiveness is, right? It's it's so much more than that. Um, but sometimes that's what we think it is. Or we choose to withhold forgiveness because how dare they? I will never forgive them. You make those vows, right? I will never forgive them for what they did for hurting me. They don't deserve that forgiveness. So that causes us to live in a prison of our own building so to speak, but maybe express what is forgiveness? Why does it matter in this particular area? Why is it so important that we forgive? I used to think that forgiveness was an unfair gift. And Lisa Turkhurst says this in her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. But I totally related to it when she said it. I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. But and she states that um, that she felt that forgiveness was an unfair gift, that she had to give someone who had wounded her. And in all actuality, and the reality is that it's actually a gift that God has given us to be able to sever from the source of our suffering. And so forgiveness is a really important key um, to our healing after betrayal, absolutely. But I think it's important to... um, to establish what forgiveness isn't. Like you said, you know, it isn't, um, we shouldn't be holding, you know, for the sake of punishing. Um, But forgiveness isn't synonymous with trust. And I think that's really important for betrayed partners and um, in the restorative practice or process to be able to understand that. Because a lot of guys are like, okay, well, you forgave me. Why don't you trust me? And, and, they're, they're not synonymous, and I think that's really important. I think it's important to also mention that forgiveness isn't like sweeping it under the rug and, and never talking about it again. Right. But forgiveness is, is like a coin that has two sides. One of those sides is relational. The other side of forgiveness is personal. And so relational is going to go out. I'm offering, if let's say, you know, Dave is the one that offended me and broke my trust and betrayed me and wounded me. I can relationally um, choose to walk in forgiveness with him. But what on the relational side, the offender holds the key to that, right? And it tells us in scripture that we are to forgive in the same manner in which Christ has forgiven us. Well, there's two stipulations to actually receiving Christ's forgiveness, and that is repentance and confession. 
And so that has to be an element of the betraying partner um, that there is confession, a full confession, full disclosure of what has taken place. And that's important for both parties. It's important for the betrayed partner because it helps reestablish when, when truth is, is, um, is given freely and offered. Um, it helps rebuild that film strip and helps your brain fill in the details of your life story. And so it actually aids in healing. Um, but the other component of that is um, the confession, taking full responsibility. Um, and there is definitely that relational side, but the good side, the good thing about it is that there's also the personal side, which is from my heart to God's. And so whether or not confession and repentance take place, I'm not held hostage by what anybody else does. I can deal with um, forgiveness between my heart and God's. And really forgiveness is just the process of turning over the debt to the greatest bill collector there is. God takes our hurts and injuries seriously. And it's no different than me having, you know, a bill that I can't pay and I'm getting a call from the bill collector, you know, and they're pursuing me and hounding me about this bill that I need to pay. And the reality is that forgiveness is a process but it's also a transaction of handing that debt over to the bill collector and trusting the God of justice to hold the other person accountable. And I think it's really important to honor each woman where they're at in that process. I think we often push women to forgive quickly because we understand the healing benefits that are in forgiveness. You know, that's part of forgiveness. And so we want them to experience that. But we also have to respect the fact that it is a process, and especially for women that have been wounded so deeply by betrayal and being able to you know, honor where they are in the process, sow seeds and truth into their lives so that as they're navigating this and walking this out with the Lord, they're empowered to choose that sooner, um, but also not rush to do that before you're ready. Because I think sometimes we can pressure women to do that prematurely and it can actually be more harmful to their healing process. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Especially if, um, in their mind or whatever, whatever the journey and process they're going through, if someone's putting that on them and they're not actively choosing that themselves, then they're doing it to appease somebody else. They're not doing it because they understand I need to do this. Right. So whatever point they're on, then it becomes a secondary kind of thing, a response to somebody else. Uh, It's not taking primacy in their life um, of of how God intends. Right. So that's such an important thing because maybe that they're not at the point where the the pain or the hurt or whatever else of, of getting there, they're not quite there yet as far as, Hey, I I'm ready to do this. And there needs to be some more understanding. So I love that, that, uh, description of what you're describing you know that's so perfect and understanding yeah sometimes we have done that right where we we kind of push that at someone into doing that and they're they're not ready or have full understanding or breadth of understanding of why or when or how to do that yeah yeah that's so true and i've heard it said that telling a woman who's been betrayed and she's right in the throes of the pain of betrayal that telling her to forgive is like telling a woman who's nine centimeters pregnant. She can't scream out in pain. And um, I think that paints a good picture about that process. And so we want to honor each woman's process, encourage them to choose forgiveness. um, But I also encourage the women to have, even if they don't feel ready to necessarily 
commit completely to forgiveness, posturing your heart in a position where you're at least willing to partner with God in that process is a really important step as well. Amazing. I love it. Hey, how does a woman know that she doesn't need group help or counseling anymore? Uh, at what point do you guys just say, or just, or could a wife say, Hey, you know what? I think I'm, I'm good on the healing process and don't need to pursue any more professional help. That's a great question. Not one I've been asked before, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it's definitely dependent on each woman. I think there is kind of a knowing, um, just kind of an internal knowing and peace. I knew when I was ready to step out and begin helping other women. Mm. Um, and so there was that component of knowing that I was healed enough <laughs> to <laughs> not you know, constantly be triggered. And it's actually, I've had quite the opposite. People are asking me all the time. They're like, Christy, how are you not triggered all the time by talking about your story and sharing these details? And it's actually been an incredibly um, important part of the healing process. It's been very therapeutic for me cool. to be able to use my story, to be able to um, help others. It's like, wow, this pain wasn't for nothing. God is actually, you know, there was purpose in it, and I'm grateful for that. But back to your original question, um, I think there really is, I think, I think, that's something that they can speak with their mental health professional about mm. their counselor. Like, you know, there's, um, getting wisdom there and counsel in regards to like, Hey, do I need, you know, more healing? Am I good? You know, I knew when it was ready, I was in trauma therapy for two years doing EMDR and all kinds of things to help with the trauma. And so, um, yeah, there was just kind of an instinctual knowing that I was ready for the next step. That's a great answer. Great answer. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, Christy, we could talk to you for, for hours. I, I have so many more questions. I do have one more, one more on my end anyway, if Matt has more, but I'm curious cause I mean, I deal with marriage ministry and, and marriages all the time. Um, the question I have is, so say porn is in the marriage, say there's been betrayal or maybe some sort of infidelity or not some sort of, but infidelity is infidelity. <laughs> but if there's something like that in the marriage, what would be the path forward? Because we talked about individual healing that we need, um, but what what kind of healing does the marriage need? What are the steps that husband and wife have to take together so that they can come back to the point of reconciliation, healing, health, and growth in their marriage? I would definitely say the first step is to seek professional help. This is too big of a wound and an issue to deal with it or try to navigate it alone. And so I would definitely find um, professional help of some sort. Um, we have the ABSTATS, which is the Association of Partners of Sex Addiction Trauma Specialists, and CSTAT. Um, those are great places to start in, in looking for professional help that centers around addiction and understanding betrayal trauma. It really is important, in my opinion, to have a, a professional that looks at betrayal through the lens of trauma. And so those are some important things to look for. But according to Abstats as well, there's also like three phases that a, that a, a couple would go through on their journey of restoration. And phase one is safety, establishing safety, the infidelity, the relation, you know, the um, the outside relationship needs to come to an end. You know, there has to be an end to the sexually acting out behaviors. Um, so those are just some initial things of safety, but also this 
creating safety also encompasses telling the truth about what has happened. And I highly recommend doing that with a therapist or having a, a guided therapeutic disclosure. And this is a really important part of the process. A lot of partners think, oh, if I tell my wife the whole truth, then it's really gonna hurt her. But the reality is the truth is needed in order to heal. And it's needed for both part parties. Um, the betraying partner, it's incredibly important for them to tell the whole truth because of the biblical principle, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. You can't really ever walk fully in recovery and freedom if you are continuing to keep secrets and things hidden in the darkness. And so for the partner, that part is really important. And then, like I mentioned before, telling the truth for the partner, while it may hurt in the moment, it's actually healing to be able to rebuild that timeline and put the pieces together and have a baseline of truth to build off of. And so this, this phase of creating safety and having healthy boundaries that also includes um, acknowledgement or ownership for the pain that's been caused. And sometimes that takes a little while because it takes men who have been struggling with, you know, addiction. And I call that, Meg calls that the world of me. It's just, it's just selfishness. And so they're in this realm of selfishness for years and years and years. And so to be able to acknowledge and have empathy for the pain they cause might take a little time. It takes sometimes a while for men to kind of like thaw out, right. And be able to come out of the fog of addiction or the fog of the affair and be able to have empathy for their pain. But acknowledgement is an important part of the process because as long as others, um, as long as the, the betraying partner is continuing to point fingers, blame, minimize, gaslight, you know, things like that, safety can't be established. And so there has to be a plan for change and there has to be a willingness to implement that plan. It can't just be um, empty words without actions that back it up. And so that's a really important part of creating safety. The second phase of healing is really remembering and mourning. And I kind of relate this to, let's say there was an earthquake and the, the buildings came down or there was a tornado that came through and wreaked havoc on everything and just brought everything to destruction and rubble. In order to rebuild, you have got to sift through the rubble and look at what's salvageable and look at what's willing, what's worth gathering from the rubble and taking forward with you on this journey. And so it is a, a, a phase of relational repair, grief work, turning towards each other, grieving over the losses together. And those are all really important parts of this particular phase. And then phase three also includes the reconnecting phase of healing. And that's where rebuilding trust creating vision for the future. What's our marriage gonna look like now on the other side of betrayal? And even taking steps to possibly, you know, moving on and helping others. So those are kind of like the three main phases and stages of the healing and restorative process. That's cool. I really like how you laid that out. Um, I'm wondering when, one thing that you said was that the truth has to come out in, for, in order for there to be healing. and what to what extent does the truth need to come out because often a woman will want to know certain details and mm -hmm. what are the details that she should know or that she doesn't have to know what would be harmful what would be helpful um and you know uh, just 
sometimes sometimes a woman will want to know like what did she look like or what these girls you watch in porn what were their body parts like i mean were you comparing them what what was i doing when you were doing this what was what were you like the next time you saw me all these details what are you thinking when we're having sex to what point is the truth necessary um and not that the guy wants to hide but just for a, a woman's peace of mind in order to move forward yeah this is an excellent question because we can in that sherlocking mode in our effort to try to make sense of things we're asking questions where the answers can absolutely be more traumatizing and hurtful. And that was my experience. We didn't know anything about, mm. you know, full therapeutic disclosure or anything like that early on in our process. And so I'm asking questions and Dave in an attempt to appease me and help me and not hide anything gave me details that burned images in my brain and, and caused a lot of, you know, um, trauma. And so that's a really great question. And it really is important to address. We don't want to, um, have answers to questions that would cause more trauma. And so we need facts about what happened, not necessarily details. Mm. And it's important, um, we were given the recommendation in this process through my trauma counselor for me to actually hold off on some of my questions, write them down, mm -hmm. give it a 24 or 48 hour window and ask myself, do I really want to know the answer to this question? Is the answer to this question going to be helpful or harmful? And so really just kind of slowing down. And Dave was very willing to answer my questions and he didn't want to hide anything in the darkness. Um, and sometimes I would come with questions and he has learned to say, that is a good question and I'm willing to answer it, but do you really want the answer to that question? And so we've just learned to kind of like put a pause on that and really process through what would be helpful and what would be harmful right. and really holding off on the harmful questions. Right. Oh, there's such wisdom in that because sometimes these questions, maybe they've been playing in our mind for a while, but they're asked in a spur of a moment. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we answer in a spur of a moment and we right. don't, uh, maybe necessarily understand the impact that it could have in a bad way. Um, and right. so I love that description. You're like, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Like, Hey, let's put a pin in this great question, but let's think through, let's pray through, will this be helpful to you? I'm willing to share, but maybe this isn't something I should share to you. Um, or maybe it is, but we got to discover that we got to discover that together. So that's a great, um, way of doing, it. I guess one of the caveat, I guess we'd always give, give with husbands of this, this isn't a way that you can get out of answering exactly. questions. <laughs> um, cause sometimes we can do that. Like, Hey, did you look at porn? Like, I don't know if you should know the answer to that question. Right. But yes, she should. And we can't use this as a, a means to put up walls or keep her at arm's length. So, um, but I don't, you totally weren't getting it that I know that. <laughs> um, but thanks so much, Christy. I don't know, Matt, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, well, yeah. if people want to reach out, if women want to reach out, what do you offer? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, we'd love to put things in the show notes too, but uh, just for listeners who are listening or watching, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can reach out to me personally at christy at hopeafterbetrayal.com or you can visit our website, hopeafterbetrayal.com where we have a whole page of resources. There's links to sign up for our Healing Hope groups, webinars, and all the things. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.